Uh, we're in a series right now called People of the Way, and uh, we're in part three today. You should have gotten some notes when you walked in. If you got some notes, wave them at me. Let me just see on my note tick. Come on, more of them. I need more. I need more in this house. Get, when I get an amen, come on, bring it on. I tell people all the time, listen, this isn't a movie. You didn't come to spectate. You came to participate. Come on, somebody. So, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a screen. You can shout at me. You can let me know that you that you're here in the room, that you're excited to be here, that you love Jesus, that there's no other place that you'd rather be. I just, I need to hear from some people. I need to do this online. I can get some emojis. I can feel it when online's engaged. So um, there's just something about it. When you don't engage, I preach longer. I'm just letting you know. Um, so if you want to get out of here, I, um, I, I'm just so excited about this, this series and this season that we're in as we are two Sundays away from, from Resurrection Sunday, which is just such a, um, such a moment, of course. How many know no resurrection, no Christianity? Um, but because of resurrection, as far as I know, we only have the only God who's ever ri- risen from the dead. Um, and because of that, uh, he gives us life and power. And so you're going to see on the seats, actually, that you probably sat on. Maybe you sat on it. I don't know. Maybe you didn't. There's uh, some invite cards uh, right there. We have thousands of them uh, out in the, the foyer as well and that kids check-in. Grab a handful of them and we just encourage you to get creative in how you're going to invite people, maybe coworkers or friends or neighbors um, or family members. But um, I, I would encourage you to pray over those cards and um, just ask the Lord to use these as, um, as something many, many people in our region are hurting right now and they're lost right now, and they're broken right now, and they're longing for someone to give them some sort of answer to the pain that they're experiencing in their life. And how many know we've got the answer? I'm glad three of y'all know that. Okay. How many of y'all know we have the answer? Okay. All right. Just want to make sure I'm preaching to the right church. Okay. So, um, so be praying over that. I'll, I'll have a whole message next weekend dedicated to that and, um, and how, you can, how you can share a little bit of this. But today we are in part three of this series called People of, of the Way, and this is based out of um, Acts chapter nine. Uh, you'll see it there in your notes and we'll have it on the screen. This is, the, this is how they described the followers of Jesus. After Jesus arose and, and went to heaven, um, the, the followers, the people of, that, that, that uh, were disciples of Christ, the, the nickname that they gave them, that, that, that the world gave them, that that culture and that time gave them was this word, followers of the way or people of the way. Acts 9 says that, uh, that Saul requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for the cooperation and the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. And if you go throughout the book of Acts, there's actually multiple um, uh, accounts of this idea of the followers of the way or the people of the way, that these weren't just uh, church attenders, but that there was something about the way that they lived that was so distinct and so uh, peculiar and so powerful that they described them as followers of the way. Jesus described himself, uh, Pastor Stephen just read it, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is how Jesus described himself. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, what is the name of our church? Our Savior's Church. And I want you to just think about that for a moment, that the name of our church is our Savior's Church. 
And our desire for the last 22 years now has been uh, uh, multiple folds. One is a reminder. The reason why we named it Our Savior's Church is because just want to remind all of us that this is not Pastor Bubba's church, and this is not my church, and this is not any other person's church. How many know this is? Okay, just want to make sure we're all listening. Our Savior's church. This is his church, which, let me tell you what that does. It does a couple of things. First off, it just reminds you that when I'm not here, Pastor Bubba's not here, no other pastor is here, there's different people, this is still Jesus' church. He's still building his church. And by the way, if it's his church he's building, nothing can take it out. You know, it's never been built on a person, ever. Um, so it's just a reminder of that. This, this is Jesus' church, which creates an incredible amount of humility, um, creates an incredible amount of dependence, and say, okay, God, if this is your church, what do you want us to do? Um, the second thing is, is that if uh, it's our Savior's church, our whole existence is, we, we say, to reach people and build lives. But really what we're doing is we're pointing people to the beauty of our Savior, Everything that we do is going to point to Jesus. If you walk out of here, the only person we want you to be impressed with is Jesus. The only person we want you to be in love with is Jesus. The only person that we want you to go, I really want to get to know him more, would be Jesus. Um, Now, of course, Jesus uses, here's the beauty of it, Jesus uses his people to do it. And so you get around, and we'll, we'll talk about that a lot more in this message today because, um, because Jesus uses people to fulfill his purposes. So that's another reason why we call it our Savior's Church. And then lastly is because we are people that are, are committed to Jesus and committed to living a life that is modeled after Jesus, then how many know as his church, the body of Christ, we want to represent his love, his grace, his mercy, and compassion, and we want when people look at us, they see our Savior, that when they look at your life, they see our Savior. Uh, we want people to encounter this Savior in a, in a powerful way when they encounter you. And that's really the premise of this whole series here, is that if we name the name of Christ, if we are the followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ, and that there should be something about the way that we live that is so unique and so different than everybody else. Not to say that you don't go through the same issues that everybody goes through, but how you go through them is uniquely different than everybody else. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that when someone passes away that we grieve, but he says this, but we don't grieve as people with no hope. We grieve with people that have hope. How many know when eternity is settled and your security and salvation is secured, how many know you go through life way differently? Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay, that's none of my message. All right, so now let's get into the message. It is, but it's not. All right, so here's week one. Let me, let's, let's go back to week one, week two, and then we're going to jump right into week three because there's so much today in week three. Week one is this. We looked at the way of Jesus is total surrender. The way of Jesus is total surrender. If you did not watch that message or you were not a part of that, you didn't get to hear it, I encourage you just to go back to that one for sure um, because this all begins with surrender. The second thing that we talked about last week was that the way of Jesus is spirit-filled Spirit-led and spirit-empowered. And we looked at the, uh, how Jesus was able to do what he did was because of the activity and the involvement of the Holy Spirit in his life. And, and we are a, a church here that believes 
in the gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe that he gives us gifts. We believe that he empowers us. He leads us. He fills us. We believe in all of the act- activation of that, that God wants to do things through us because how many know we can't do things naturally? We have to do things supernaturally. Um, we live in a supernatural world, and Jesus, everything Jesus did was supernatural in what he did. Okay, so that was, that was last week and how much we need to be spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered. Today, we're going to look at a message that I'm calling People of Significance. People of Significance. So I want to begin today by giving just a definition of significance. All right. So here's a, a definition of significance. Significance is importance, something that's of importance, something that's of weight, or the influence of something or someone. Something that's important, very, very important, something that's very weighty, or something that has incredible influence, influence, all right? How many of you in here by show of hands um, would say you are an influencer? Okay, point proven. Here's why, because I think culture has hijacked that word. We believe that, this is what we believe influence is. Let me show you a couple ways of what we think, what culture has made us believe that influence is. Here's a couple things of what influence is. Maybe we think this is influence. You're the president of the United States. Hey, listen, here's the deal. Whether you, whether you, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, whether you like them, whether you don't like them, here's what I know. It does have influence. And so, so some of us go, well, this, this is influence. Some of us may also think this next one, we may think that this is influence. According to the Time Magazine, these are a top 100 most influential people in the world. Um, The Rock and Taylor Swift and Sandra Ho. Maybe we think this is influence right here. That that I I need to be an athlete and I need to have, you know, the the, um, athleticism and show off in that. Maybe we think influence is this right here. Um, Elon Musk, one of the most wealthiest men in the world. Maybe that's influence. Maybe I need wealth to have influence. Or maybe you're like this, if you're like my boys, maybe you're this one right here, Mr. Mr. Beast, who is a social media influencer. And so maybe we think that that is that. And by the way, that word influencer now is, is more seen in social media context. Like, that's a social media influencer. Lindsay would tell me, like, that's a social media influencer. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, that just means they sell things. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, I see that. But we've all kind of bought into, in some regards, I mean, I just asked everybody in this room, how many of you feel like you are an influencer, and four of you raised your hand? That's because you have bought into the lie that the culture has sold you, that you've got to have status, position, prominence, power, wealth, in order to be a person of influence. I just want you to know that Jesus says the exact opposite. I don't know if you understand this, but Jesus was not the most prominent and Jesus was not the most wealthy, but as last time I checked, Jesus was the most influential man in the history of the world. And he didn't have any of that and he didn't have a Facebook account. (gasps) I know, take it for a minute there. Just, Just let that, I'm gonna let that sit right there for a moment. It's amazing, it's amazing. And we're gonna see today that Jesus sees influence very differently than the world sees influence. Pastor Stephen shared from John chapter 14, we didn't even talk about this, I'm going to John 13 today, and we're gonna back up a little bit in John 13. John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17 is actually a, a, a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. 
and he's having it at the Last Supper, the last meal that he had. John chapter 13 is where we're going to go today. If you want to open up your Bibles or turn there. And, and in this one meal, we're going to learn from Jesus what it really means to live a life of significance. I know this. Everybody in here wants to live a life of significance. I know this. Nobody in here wants to live a life of meaningless. Everybody wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to have their life matter. Everybody in this room wants at the end of the day when your final day has come and you go uh, and take your last breath and people have to stand up and do your eulogy that they're not going to just talk about how much you liked football. That they're not going to have to make up stuff at your funeral. But that they're going to share things that matter. Things that really left an impact on your family and on those that were around you. And so how do we live a life in such a way that at the end of my life, my life mattered? My life had major significance. And in chapter 13, in this last meal that Jesus has with the disciples, he's going to actually show us what it really means to have a life of significance. So let's go. John 13, verse 1, verse 2. We're going to start here. It says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. He knew that this was his moment. This was, it's, we're coming to the end. He had, everybody say this, he had what? Love. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now, I love this because he loved them to the very end. He wanted to make sure that they understood how much he loved them, how much he was passionate for them, how much he cared for them. Not only did he love them in the three years that he had with them, but he wanted to make sure that all the way up to the very end that they knew that he always loved them. Now watch this, verse 2, watch what happens. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already promoted, uh, prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Okay, so I want you to just kind of take all this stuff in for the moment. I want you, just for a moment, if you can kind of just close your eyes and think about the power of this moment, the religious leaders are literally uh, scheming right now on how they're about to arrest Jesus. This is all happening in this moment right now. They're, they've got the plan of how that's going to happen. Judas is about to betray Jesus. We, we see that right here in this, in this scripture. Before even supper starts, he's already got the plan of betraying Jesus. Peter is going to deny Jesus. The disciples are going to abandon Jesus. And Jesus, in the next 24 hours, will eventually go to a cross. So I want you to think about the power of the moment that's right here. This is kind of like a, um, a, a last words moment. If I'm on my dying bed, I've got, I've got one last thing to teach these guys who have been with me for three years. What do I teach them? What, what do I pass down to them? What do I help them to understand? Hey, hey, if there's anything that my life has been about... I just want you to know this is what my life's been about. And so we're going to see in just this moment that Jesus is going to take communion with him. What we just did where Jesus says, hey, this is my body as he breaks the bread and says, this is my body that has been broken for you. He's going to, he's going to get, the, get the communion, the, the cup out, and he's going to um, give them the juice. And he's going to say, hey, listen, this, is, this represents my, my blood that will be poured out for many. You just heard Pastor Stephen share it. So, I mean, this is a very... Very significant moment, very powerful, very intimate moment. Okay, so once you take the gravity of the moment, when we think about significant moments in our lives, this is a significant moment. Okay, question. So what do you think the disciples are thinking about while that's going on? Okay, well, here's the cool thing. We know what they were thinking about because if we go to Luke, the book of Luke, Luke is like the guy who like rats everybody out. So, 
So John's like the beloved, you know, he's like laying on the breast of Jesus and wants to just cuddle with Jesus. Luke's like, no, I'm, I'm ratting all y'all's business out, okay? And Luke says this, Luke's a doctor, so he's detailed. And Luke says this, look, look in Luke chapter 22, in this moment, this sacred holy moment, it says, then they begin to argue amongst themselves about who would be the, the greatest among them. What? Jeez, I'm gonna pour out my life for you. This is my blood for you. This is my body for you. This is my broken for you. Hey, who you think's gonna be CEO? Who you think's gonna, who's gonna run this thing? Who's, gonna, who's in charge? Who's the boss? I think literally that's what's happening in the moment of all this that's going on. The next verse says, so Jesus tells them, in, the, in the, this world, the kings and great men, they lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. It'll be different. You're not gonna be like everybody else. Everybody else wants to be the king. Everybody wants to be the Lord. Everybody wants to, to rule over people. It's gonna be very different for you because those who are the, the greatest among you shall take the, the lowest rank and the shall be like a servant. In verse 27, he goes and he says this. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, right? It's people of notoriety and prominence. They're the ones who sit at the table. You have the waiters and the waitresses. They're the ones that are serving everybody. They're the ones, of course, that are of lower importance, right? I mean, the ones who are sitting at the table have got to be. But he says, <laughs> but not here, not here. No, so for, for I am among you as one who, as one who serves. I'm among you as one who serves. Now, I want you to see a couple of things before we dive into this. Jesus never got mad at them for wanting to be great. He just defined what greatness looked like. He wasn't mad that they wanted to be great. I'm glad you want to be great. I'm glad you want to lead. I'm glad you want to do all those things. That's perfectly fine. You just have a bit of a culture that has told you what leading and being great looks like. And if you want to be the greatest, let me show you what greatness actually looks like. He doesn't, doesn't put them down for wanting to be great. He just defines to them what greatness actually looks like. So he's going, listen, greatness is not having a big following on social media. Greatness is not being the best. And greatness is not about being the boss. Jesus is saying that the way to greatness, the way to a life of significance is serving. Serving is the way into greatness. And so let me put it this way. Every, every week we've been looking at kind of a definition. So here's the definition today of the way of Jesus is servanthood. The way of Jesus is servanthood. How many of you growing up uh, remember in maybe elementary school? I don't really remember doing this in high school, but I, I knew I did it a lot in, in elementary school. How many of did show and tell? Show and tell, any show and tell people? And you got to bring kind of whatever your favorite thing was, and then you got to get up in front of everybody, and you got to, you know, show off whatever is a new toy or a new thing or, you know, a dog or whatever it was. You get to, you get to bring this, and you get to talk about it, and you get to show it. Okay, Jesus is about to do the greatest show and tell in the history of mankind. Right here. Next to the cross, which is the, I mean, no, that is the ultimate greatest show and tell. Um, here we are, the Last Supper. Jesus is about to demonstrate to them this. And look, now let's go back to John. So we know what the disciples are talking about. Now let's go back to John and let's see what Jesus does in response to them arguing about who's going to be the greatest. It says, so he 
Come on, say it again. He got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. All right. Now, this is an absolutely huge deal here because uh, they didn't have New Testament crocs back in the day, okay? <laughs> there was none of those that were there. Um, their feet were filthy, um, nasty. Uh, everywhere that they went, of course, they just had flat little sandals on, and so everywhere they went from feces to dirt to you could just imagine. And so, um, and they didn't come in and sit just, you know, at tables with chairs where their feet are on the floor. They were reclined and feet, come on, how many, how many know, I, I don't already like feet, but I definitely don't like feet in my face. And I definitely don't like feet in my face. I got feces feet, okay? Like, come on, how many know people that got feces? No, I'm not, I'm just kidding, don't. Don't look at them. Okay, so. And how many know, man, feet are, feet are a different thing. Okay, like, there's some people that got feet fetishes. We'll come up, we'll have prayer at the end. Okay, <laughs> for all of you. Yeah. How many know, feet like baby feet, cute. cute. You're, you're kissing them. I have yet to see anybody do that with their grandpa's feet. <laughs> anybody? Anybody here? Come here, grandpa. <laughs> Could you kiss that corn for me? Can you kiss that? <laughs> Could you file down that wart for me? I almost thought about putting some feet up on the screen. I was like, I don't, they got to go to lunch after this. Okay, so, but I just want you to imagine for here. I mean, we have very, for the most part, you know, we have very well manicured feet. I mean, we have, we have shoes that, that protect some of that for the most part. You know, can you imagine what it was like in that day? Where your feet are exposed to the sun, your feet are exposed to, to, to all of the elements, your feet are exposed to, to everything that's there. You know, I, I mean, just imagine, I mean, you're looking at feet. Y'all ever just looked at some people's feet and you're like, those feet have some mileage on them. Like, they just got some. And then you're like counting toes and you're like, there's one too many. What's, I don't know what's going on here. And y'all know when y'all go to those parlors and they're like doing your feet, you know those Chinese ladies, you know they're talking about you the whole time, right? And they're talking all about you the whole time. Okay, they got to pull out the drills and all the stuff. And <laughs> it's, listen, feet's another thing. It would have been a totally different thing. He said he washed their hands. He washed their hair. Come on, somebody. I mean, but, but, but he got down. He got down, and he started washing their feet. And... I, I, I want us to be careful because we can, we can see the illustration but miss the message. And I don't want us to do that today. You can see this illustration and totally miss the message. Of course, Jesus was not instructing us to start a, a foot washing ministry. He's trying to explain a principle and a lifestyle that he's wanting us to know. And so if you and I want to live a life of significance, uh, I'm going to give you three thoughts today. Number one is this. A life of significance is about the towel, not the title. A life of significance is about the Tao, not the title. Roman culture was all about status. Everything was about status. Everything was about prominence. You would have the emperor, and then you would have the emperor's family, kind of the royal family, and then you would have the government officials, and then you would have the working class, and then you would have the servants. Now watch this. The servants were those who were paid 
and then you would have the slaves who were the non-paid, okay? So, I mean, you just think about all these different ranks from the emperor all the way down to, to the slave that wasn't paid, and customary for foot washing was reserved for the slaves. The, the non-paid people that you had in your home um, that took care of the lowest of the lowest jobs. So I want you just to imagine, just for a minute, Jesus commits one of the most craziest cultural acts that you can imagine. Rabbi Jesus gets up from the table, walks over to the water basin and takes off his robe and puts a towel around his waist and begins to, one by one, pull every disciple in front of him and begin to wash their feet. The creator washing the created. Think about that for a moment. That would be like the president coming to your house for dinner and you find him cleaning your bathroom. Excuse me? What are you, what are you, what are you doing in here? That would be like any of your guest of honor that, that would come in and, and, and they're like, can I brush your teeth for you? You're like, no, no, you can't. Like, I, I don't even know if I can really adequately describe how, how crazy this moment was. That even the disciples were like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. Rabbi, you can't do that. You can't. Peter was like, no, you definitely can't do it. And then Jesus looks at him and says, well, if I can't do your feet, then I can't do you. And then Peter was like, okay, do all of me. Because it was just blowing their mind. Rabbis in this culture were so revered and so honored. You were, you were expected that if a rabbi came into your house that, that you were to serve them. You were to take care of them. You were to honor them. And, and, and what Jesus is modeling to us is that culture says that a life of significance is all about ascending. It's all about a title. It's all about becoming assistant manager and then manager and then CEO. And that, that's culture is all about getting more, 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 getting the title of title. And Jesus goes, no, no, a life of significance is all about descending. It's not about ascending, it's about descending. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be um, someone that has influence, you're going to have to learn to descend. Now, realizing at the same time that every single disciple walked past that water basin. They walked all past that water basin because, as we see in Luke chapter 22, the only thing that they are concerned about is who's going to be the greatest. And one of the ways that you determine who's going to be the greatest is by where you sit at the table. Where you sit at the table determines how popular that you are. How I many you have kids that uh, when it's just you and the kids, they're, they're yelling shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. You got any shotgun kids? Shotgun, shotgun. And they are fighting over who gets to sit in the front. And they do it enough, and you're like, everybody's in the back. Everybody's in the back. Y'all ever had that moment? <laughs> if you get really upset, you're like, everybody's walking. I'm the only one sitting in here. That's literally what's happening here. The disciples are coming in going, shotgun, shotgun, I got, I got front table. I got, I got right here. I got right here. And everybody walks past the, the water basin. And I think if we, yet again, don't, don't miss the illustration and don't miss the message, how many water basin moments have we walked by? How many times was there a towel that was sitting there in a water basin for the opportunity for us to serve, but instead of serving, we, we chose our own way. We chose our own thing. You've ever, you've ever uh, m- moms maybe feel this in here. You, you've ever slaved in a kitchen all day and you've been cooking and so you, you say, hey, I'm not doing dishes tonight. Somebody come do dishes. Somebody's doing dishes. This, this, happens, this happens in our house often. Lindsay's like, I'm done. The rest is y'all. 
And, uh, and so, you know, look around and go, okay, hey, we need somebody to do dishes. And you got one person that's like, well, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> like, oh, it's about to be your responsibility. <laughs> See this towel? <laughs> uh, someone says, oh, it's not my turn. Someone says, well, I'm too busy. And I wonder how many moments in our life where, where Jesus is going, hey, this is, this is your moment, and, and we've yelled the same thing. That's not my responsibility. It's not my turn. I'm too busy. And we've missed these kind of water basin moments where we could do this because these disciples are so consumed with their seat more than they are serving. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same self-absorbed way of living and forget that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords got up from the table. He got up from the table. You know, when we train um, our staff here and we train our interns here, one of, the, one of the things that I tell them often as I say this, if you're too great to do the little things, you're too little to do the great things. So if you can't stick around and help stack chairs and sweep and clean the toilets and things like that, you will never stand on this stage. Because Jesus says, unless you are faithful with a little, then I can entrust you with more. But if you, if you think you're too good to do those things, then you are too little to actually lead. Because the greatest leaders, according to Jesus, says, he says, if you want to be great, then you must, you must serve. We serve our way into greatness. We serve our way into leadership. We serve our way into this. And, and I need everyone in here to recognize that Jesus has given each of us a towel. You have a towel, and you have a towel, and you have a towel, and you have a towel. And this towel represents so much. This towel represents your gifts. This towel represents your abilities. This towel represents your money. This towel represents your time. This towel represents all of the things that God has blessed you with. This towel is represent, and, and some people are so consumed with keeping their towel as clean as possible. But how many know you don't get a towel so it stays clean? You get a towel so it can be used. And God, God has given you every talent, every gift, every ability, not for your own self. But here's what we've done. We have used our towel to serve ourselves. We have used our towel for self-service, not for other service. And Jesus says, hey, listen, uh, today for the Last Supper, I'm not passing out titles. Peter's like, man. I wanted to be like chief apostle, you know. <laughs> Notice he did not pass out last, he didn't pass out titles. But he did say, I'm gonna pass out some towels. And if you want to follow me, you better not be looking for titles and you better be looking for this. Because this is how you're gonna change the world. Not by being the boss, not by being the best, not by having the most money. You're gonna change the world by this. Ask Mother Teresa. Not the most prominent, not the most wealthy, but the biggest servant. And she says this, it doesn't take education, it doesn't take wisdom, it doesn't take money to serve, I mean, to, to be great. All it takes is a heart to serve. And Jesus says that he's called us to walk into this. And, and can I just take a, just a quick moment and just say how incredibly grateful that I am as the pastor of this church for every dream team member that is in this house that uses their talent to serve not only this house, but serve people. Can we just honor and love all of our dream team that serve today and that have gotten up here? I'm telling you. 
there are people here that got, got here hours and hours ago to make sure that this campus was clean, to make sure that worship was good, to make sure that, that the kids' area was fine, to make sure that, that you were prayed over, to make sure that you were loved when you got to the door, to make sure that you had a parking spot and you parked in the right spot and not in craziness and that you parked right over here and they are using their gifts and their talents and beyond that, next weekend at the egg drop, guess what we'll do? We'll use our towels again and we'll use our towels again and we'll love again and we love again. Not because I want the credit but because I want him to have the glory and I wanna use everything he's given me to bless people. Are y'all with me today? It's not about the title. And, and, it's about the towel. And I'm going to tell you this. Here's, here's what I know. If you, if you want to get a raise, let me give you a secret. If you want to get a raise at your job, be the biggest towel boy. Because everybody is going after the title. And a CEO or a manager can sniff it out real quick to find out that you just want the title, but you don't want to actually do the work. But I promise you, if you will do the work, and some of you are like, well, Pastor Josh, you say that, and I've been the biggest servant I felt like, and I've been overlooked. Well, here's what I know. God sees even when man doesn't. And the Bible says that God will promote. I'm telling you right now, God will promote if you will be the chief servant. You are the CSO, chief servant, operator, officer. This is what God's called us to do, not in a place of title, but in a place of a towel. Number two, a life of significance is about giving, not gaining. Now we go to Mark chapter 10. This was another moment actually before the Last Supper where these disciples, you're gonna notice a trend. The disciples, this wasn't the only time that they had this argument with one another. Mark chapter 10, they had a, an argument about this way previous in their time with Jesus. And in Mark chapter 10, Jesus calls them together. He calls them all together. He calls them all together. One of the disciples' moms came to Jesus and said, hey, can my two sons be on like your left and right hand side? I mean, no, like, that's a mama's boy right there. Mama came to Jesus asking if you could be on the, and so Jesus says, uh, mama, you need to go home. I got your boys. Hey, hey, we're going to call a little family meeting, guys. And he calls a little family meeting, and he calls them all together, and he says, hey, guys, you know that the rulers in, the, in this world lorded over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them? Okay, so this kind of sounds a little familiar to what he said at the Last Supper. And it says, but among you, it will be. It's, it's going to be different. How many know when they got to the Last Supper, they're like, we've heard this one before. Because whoever wants to be a, a leader among you has got to be your, got to be your servant. And, and whoever wants to be first among you is going to have to be the slave of, of everyone else. And here we go. Here's the clincher, 45, for even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, Notice he didn't say son of God, he said son of man. He's speaking of himself, though. I'm, I'm the son of man because he was modeling to them as a, as a, as a full man. He was 100% man. Came not to, not to, not to be served, but to, and to, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right. Can I just say something that I need to hear and I think you need to hear? I'm saying it anyways. I don't, I don't know why I even asked you. It's not about you. Come on, just look at the person next to you. Just tell them that. Sam, it's not about you. It's not, it's not, some of you are like, I've been wanting to say that all weekend. Okay. Okay, now look at the, look at the same person though. Hold on, look at the same person and say this, and it's not about me. Okay, so we need to, we need to say both of those, okay? Don't, don't, don't just say it to one. You got to say it to both, all right? 
I need you, I need you to hear that. Hey, listen, your marriage needs you to hear that. Your kids need you to hear that. I know we say it to them all the time, but we need to remind ourselves as well. You know, it's not, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's not about me. In the moment that I make it all about me, I use people for me. I don't serve people. I use people. And the moment, people do this in marriage all the time, by the way, is the moment that you don't do what I need you to do and I want you to do, then you're, you're out. Because really this relationship is all about what I can get from you, not what I can give to you. And if that's the case, we have misplaced what actual marriage is because marriage is actually two unselfish people laying down their lives for one another. And the moment that someone says, I'm not laying it down, I'm picking it up, is the moment destruction begins. And this happens not only, of course, in marriages, this happens in business, this happens in, in, in family dynamics, when everybody in the family, nobody wants to serve one another and everybody wants what they want when they want it, okay? It, it, it destroys everything. This, this is what destroys churches. Well, I'm not getting what I want. Well, since when has it ever been about you? I, as last time I checked, this was our Savior's church and last time I checked, since he's the king, it's what he wants. Anybody in here, right? <laughs> it's not one. Well, what about me? I don't know. What about you? Last time I checked, you've been fully loved, fully forgiven, fully blessed. I think you got all that you need. So, so, and I don't want this to come across harsh by any regards, but I just want you to hear me very closely. It's not about you. Welcome to our Savior's church. It's not about you. Man, pastor is so encouraging today. Just reminded me, I'm just selfish, okay? It's not about me, and it's not about me. And the moment pastors derail, it's because they make it about them. It's not about me. It literally is about him. Think about the moment, okay? Think about the moment. Think about the moment that Jesus pulls Judas in front of him. Knowing what verse 2 said that the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus, and Jesus, knowing what is about to happen, pulling Judas in that moment, and what, can you imagine what is going through Judas's mind? And yet Jesus says, watch this, and Jesus says, it's not about me. It's not about me. And then he scoots over and he goes to Peter. Knowing what Peter's about to do to him. Peter, I'll never, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'm always with you. I'm your homeboy. I got you. And going, you don't even know. You don't even know. And then going disciple by disciple by disciple, knowing that every one of them within the next 12 hours are going to abandon him. And yet he chooses to love them knowing it anyway because he knows it's not about me. I'm modeling something to him. Here's a question. Can you serve people that you know will hurt you? Can, can, can you love people? No, no, listen. I'm going to just be honest right here. If I was Jesus, I would have drowned Judas in the basin. <laughs> come on, somebody. Be like, come here, let's get a little closer. Oh, no, okay, we'll let the bubble stop, all right? <laughs> Next. <laughs> oh, Peter, you want some of this? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest here. Like, I know that you're about to hurt me, so, so I'm not even going to let you hurt me because I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. 
And so here we are in this moment, and this is the test. Here's the test. The test of servanthood is realizing that serving people is messy. We serve broken people. We serve sinful people. We serve selfish people. I don't serve people because they're deserving of it in a sense in the, in the way that they're behaving or whatever. I'm serving people because they are marked with the image of God. They have the image of God on them and, and God has loved me in my filth and my sin and so therefore I, I overflow in that to them. He's modeling something to them. Remember, don't, don't miss the illustration and miss the message. Like he's modeling that, that life is about giving. It's not about gaining. If, if his relationship with these guys was based on all of what he could get from them, he would never have given this moment, but he gave them this moment because he's modeling. There's going to come a moment when I leave that people are going to persecute you, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to love them anyways. There's going to be people who are going to hurt you. There's going to be people who are betray you. You know what you're going to do? You're going to love them anyways. And I'm going to tell you right now, you get close enough to people, you're going to get all of that. But you're going to get down, and you're going to just love, and you're going to serve, and you're going to help, and you're going to bless. Ready? Watch this. How do you know that you have the heart of a servant? What do you do when you're treated like one? What do you do when you served all day and no one said thank you? <laughs> what do you do when you've been given and given and given and not getting and getting and getting? The test of servanthood is what do we do when we're treated like servants? because it reveals the motivation very quickly. Was I doing this for attention? Was I doing this for, for praise? Was I doing this for, or was I doing this because I just wanna honor God with my life and I know this is what God has called me to do. Now I'm not saying being taken advantage of. I want you to listen to me very closely. I'm not talking about being taken advantage of and constantly being used and there are times to step up and, and do that. But just understanding that we, we go into this and serve because we have a, a, a savior who is a serving savior. The creator of the universe, serving the created, serving the men that we're about to abandon, betray, deny. A life of significance is not about, give, is, is not about gaining. It's not about what I can get. It's about giving. What, what can I give? And by the way, if you want to be in a role of leadership, you are the chief servant, which means that your role is to constantly give more than everybody else. See, everybody wants to be the CEO and the boss because now I get the pay raise and now I get the bigger office and now I get the less hours and now I don't have to work as hard and now I get all this because it's all about what I get and what I get, what I get. And the truth is, is that if you go into a role just for that kind of stuff, you're going into it for all the reason. If you're going into it because now I get to be the biggest help, now I get to be the biggest blessing, now I get to be the biggest model, I, then that's the right reason. But if you're going into it only for what you can get out of it, how many know you don't respect those bosses anyways? How many know the bosses who serve you, come alongside of you, help you, encourage you, how many know those are the ones that you respect? And that's why whenever they looked at Jesus, they go, okay, we could follow this guy. This is why I think a lot of ways they followed him even after he left because he modeled something to them, which actually goes into number three, and that is that a life of significance is about being the example, not the exception. The example, not the exception. It's John chapter 13, now look in verse 12. He said, after washing their feet... He put back his robe on again and he sat down and then he asked this question right here. Do you understand what I was doing? 
I know you saw what I did, but man, don't miss the meaning. Do you understand what I did? And do you understand why I did it? And so verse 13, he says, hey, listen, you, you call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. I am your rabbi. I am your leader. I am that. You're right. And since, verse 14, and since I am your Lord and your teacher, and I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. Now, verse 15, and here we go. Because I've given you an example to follow, so do as I've done to you. Leadership is the opportunity to be the example, not the exception. A life of significance is the opportunity to be the example, not the exception. And Jesus is saying this, remember me, not only remember me in the communion, as so often as you do this, remember me, as, as you take this, as you, as, you, as you eat this, remember me. But he's, he's also saying, hey, remember, remember this. <laughs> remember, remember this example. Think about this. Jesus stepped down from heaven to serve. Jesus lived his life to serve. Jesus went to the cross as an act of service. And as people of the way who have been served, now our opportunity is to be the example of Jesus. I don't know how many of you remember, um, maybe in your younger years, y'all remember trace paper? Anybody remember trace paper? You could put the trace paper on top of anything, and then you, were to, you traced out what, you know, what, whatever it was that was underneath it, and, and then you went and you showed your mom this, and she was like, man, that looks amazing, not realizing that you traced the whole thing all the way. This is what Jesus is kind of saying to us in this moment is he's going, listen, I've laid my life down as a pattern and all you've got to do is just trace it. Just trace the pattern. Trace the way that I've loved. Trace the way that I've served. Trace the way that I've given grace. Trace the way that I've given compassion. Trace the way that I've gotten on my hands and knees and served people. Trace this. Just, just do what I did in the attitude and in the heart that I did it. And which leads to the question of how was Jesus able to actually do this? How could Jesus do this? This such humbling act. Well, we actually get the answer in verse three, before all this even started. The answer to this is this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him, what? Authority, Authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. Watch this, watch this. This is huge. This is the biggest part here. Jesus understood that his value did not come from what he did, but from whose he was. Listen to me closely. Jesus' value was not based off of the tasks he performed, but the Father who loved him. And so many of us have issues identity-wise, because your identity is based off of what you do or don't do. So if you don't do it right, you feel like a failure. If you do it right, you feel like a success. You don't need God. And so we get into this identity issue, and it's hard for us to serve others because I, I, I can't serve you because I need you. And so Jesus goes, no, 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 I can serve you because I've got everything that I need from the Father. 
He's, he's come to me. He's given me authority. He's given me value. My identity comes from him. And when you know your value, you can perform your calling because you're not doing it because you need something from people. You're doing it because you want to bless people. So watch this, watch this, watch this. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. And because you belong to God, you can go and flip burgers, not because you're just supposed to flip burgers, but because you're doing it as unto the Lord. All right, you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're, you are a child of God first. You can clean dirty diapers. You can administrate. You can teach. You can work on a platform. You can do whatever you are doing as a profession and not get your identity from your job, but you can give identity to your job because you're doing it because you're not working for your boss. You're working from the ultimate boss who's given you everything that you need to be everything that God's called you to do. So I want you to understand that here. The reason we can serve people who are going to persecute us, the reason we can bless people who are going to hurt us, the reason why we can love people who seem very unlovable is because we've got everything that we need from Jesus, and so I can give that to you because I don't need it from you. Does that make sense? And so once we get that identity that's there, then we can live in a way that's here, which leads to my last verse, and then we're, we're done. And that is that in Matthew 25, 21, at the end of all of this, one day when you stand before Jesus, I want you to see what he's going to say. This is the prayer. This is the words that we pray that, that is said of our life, that one day when we stand before Jesus and we say, God, here's my towel, and hopefully this towel is all like raggedy and all messed up because you've just been using it so much. And one day we just kind of come before him and it's like, this is all that I have that's left. And Jesus is going to look at us and he says, his master is going to say to him, well done, good and faithful leader. Boss. Disciple. Servant. Notice what he's going to say. Good and faithful servant. Paul, most of his letters that he wrote, he says, Paul, servant of Christ. Servant. Servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus didn't say, well done, good and faithful mom, good and faithful boss, good and faithful pastor. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what he's calling us to. And so as people of the way, as people of the way, your boss should say, there's no better employee I have than this person right here. And they should point to you. Because we don't come for the title, we come with the towel. They say, I'm gonna be the biggest blessing I can possibly be. I'm gonna serve as much as I possibly can. Every other employee is gonna be like, I don't do that, that's not me. And you go, I got it, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. I got that job. What would it look like for our homes to be the biggest servants in our homes? The biggest servant. Training our children to be servants. Training those in our home to, to serve one another. What would a marriage look like if I said, you know what, I'm, it's not about gaining anymore, it's about giving. What, what, what can I give? How can I serve? How can I help? How can I bless? So here's, here's the last question I think we've we've got to ask, and this is this. As people of the way, we must stop asking, what can you do for me? And we've got to start asking, where's the towel?
Where's the towel? Where's the towel? Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. And I thank you that in this moment, as we read of one of the final acts that you did in the Last Supper, that you were the chief servant. And God, we just thank you, Lord, that you modeled to us how to love one another. This is how you love one another. This is how you love people who will deny you. This is how you will love people who will abuse you. This is how you will love people that will hurt you. This is how you will love and serve and bless. So today, God, in this moment, we, we repent that if there's been things this week where we've said, you know what, I, I want it my way, I want to do it my thing, it's been all about us. God, thank you today that you are just reminding us that as, as people of the way, that a life of significance is made in servanthood. Lord, we want to honor you in the way that you honor people. God, you, you serve the least, you serve the last, you serve the hurting, you serve the broken, you serve the wealthy, you serve the poor, you served adults, you served children. You, you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. So God, I pray that you would help us to walk out of this place and not ask what, what is, what's in it for me, but that we would ask the question, where's the towel? How can I serve? How can I help? How can I be a part? Lord, thank you today for your, your word and for your spirit that is going forth right now. Lord, we, we ask that you would, as we shared last week, you would empower us to live this way. We can't do this on our own. We need to be filled by you, led by you, and empowered by you to live like you. So God, help us in our, in our families, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our schools, Lord, in our day-to-day -day life, to always be looking for ways that we can be a blessing to serve those around us. Not so we can make a name of ourselves, but God, so that we can honor you in what you do and point people to you in all that we do. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. amen.